coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk with Washington Post travel reporter Andrea Sachs, who gives us a few ideas of where you can find deals in travel today. Stick around. That's coming up next. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. And this week, we've got a special guest on our show, travel reporter from The Washington Post. We are welcoming Andrea Sachs. Hello. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. Thank you for, for being on the show. We are excited to hear your perspective. Travel is such a big goal for so many of our clients that they tell us, it's really important to them either to budget for more travel or they wish they were doing more travel today in the future. It just seems like such a huge thing for people uh, that's pretty universal. So we're looking forward to your perspective on on what's going on out there. Oh, of course. And absolutely. Like even during the pandemic, when we were told not to move, we still moved a tiny bit. Like even if we just got in our car and drove to like a nearest you know, state park, like it's in our nature. It's primitive, I think, to like wander and explore. So nothing can hold us back, even these insane prices, which are painful, as you mentioned. Yeah. So I think that that kind of leads us in. And and I think all of us are feeling a little bit uh, just personally, myself, Dan, uh, it sounds like you are for work as well of the pinch on on travel. Cost wise, what are you seeing? How, how bad is it out there? It's really bad. And I mean, I kind of pride myself I'm a frugal, like I like the challenge of traveling cheaply, even when I don't need, not cheap, but just, I, I like the challenge of just knowing that I like get a deal or, and not suffer for it, but it just makes it like a more creative process than just like easily throwing thousands of dollars at a trip, which is fine and all, but I like the, I like the challenge. And so like just looking at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, which I tend to do more often than ever. Everything across the board is higher, like um, air, airline, hotel, rental car, and it's anywhere from like 28% higher to like 70% higher for rental cars, 47% higher for hotels. And this is based on 2019 when, you know, those are figures we we're accustomed to. But over the past two years with the pandemic, prices have plummeted and we kind of got used to maybe like $100 or so for a hotel, 300 bucks for airfare. And now it's twice as much. So as I was saying before, I just went to Seattle. It cost me $900 to fly to Seattle. And that's just exorbitant. That shouldn't be. Yeah, I recently flew to Florida like a year and a half ago for for a work thing. And I think it cost me $200, which is a number I was expecting. And we're planning a trip to Disney, a family trip to Disney. And I just had to book the flights. And they were over $500 each, uh, which is going to be a... Oh. A significant addition to the already expensive trip to Disney. I know. You have to like somehow make your child small and put them on your lap. And I mean, it's just, it's hard to cut corners like without, and, and we're stuck because, okay, it's expensive to fly, but I mean, thankfully gas is dropping a little bit, but for a while we didn't really have the road trip option because gas was so expensive. Um, so it's almost like you just have to fly somewhere cheap if possible or drive and then just not use your car and then rely on public transportation on walking on bike share on e-bikes which is great as well 
because for the environment, which has kind of gotten us into this problem like climate change, it's good to have kind of a green travel experience because it ends up being cheaper as well. So speaking of things that have been uh, becoming cheaper to go, uh, Europe is now on the list. We, we just reached parity with the euro from the U.S. dollar for the first time in many, many years. Uh, are you seeing an increase in international travel and, and people pushing that way because it's become so much cheaper to go? Or do you think that people are still worried about getting stuck in some of these countries or, or dealing with COVID mandates that are, are going to make it difficult to get around? I think that's a great question. And it is exciting because it's been forever, what, like since 2008 or so, since we've had parity with the euro in Canada, too. The dollar's pretty strong in Canada. Um, the dollar's strong in South Africa. Um, and obviously, the euro in, in some countries in Europe, like Portugal, our dollar goes farther because things are less expensive. I think, you know, Europe makes sense because you're going to have to pay that air fair anyway. So if, would you rather pay $800 to go to Seattle, $800 to go to you know Lisbon or Paris? And then once you're there, those cities are pretty public transportation wise friendly. Um, so I think a lot of people are going to Europe. I think also there's just that pent up demand. And we've saved money during the two years of not traveling. A lot of us have, you know, depending on circumstances. So I think people are going to Europe, they're taking advantage of this, they're taking advantage of the summer. Um, and then we don't know what's happening with this news variant. So I think there's a sense like got to seize the day now because tomorrow could be another variant. Um, but domestic travel is also really big, especially for families, because as Dan had said, it's so expensive for a family of four to go anywhere these days. So I think national parks are busy as ever. You know, the hot spots of Disney, Florida, California, busy as ever. It's just busy out there. Are you noticing differences in the way people are traveling as far as lengths of trips? I know during the pandemic with uh, the advent of remote work policies for most of these companies, I, I feel like I've seen people taking very extended vacations mm -hmm. and maybe to not so premier destinations, but going and planting themselves somewhere and experiencing it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. And that has shifted. Um, I think now priorities not so much. It used to be like, how much can I squeeze into two weeks? How many places can I go? How many like tight spaces can I shoehorn myself into? And now it's like, let me go to one spot, maybe rent a place and then just have that be my home base and do like little day trips. And so we're like a lot more settled and nesting, even when we're far from home. Um, the idea being that also it's more expensive to hop from country to country or place to place. But also I think we just need comfortable surroundings, even though we want the like sense of being exotic and foreign, but we're like kind of homebodies now, no matter where we go. And it is, I think, definitely a direction that will stick for a while, if not forever. If you look at Airbnb and VRBO and like those rentals got snapped up so quickly. And also for people who don't have to go back into the office, they can blend their work and vacation now. I feel like we're all kind of doing that. We don't have a regular work week anymore. We don't have a nine to five, like as someone who says, you know, I worked until one in the morning last night. And, you know, that's just kind of, we don't have that structure anymore, which for some of us we embrace because we can travel and work anywhere now. Yeah, Dan and I had a former colleague that spent uh, I think the better part of like six months basically bouncing around the country to, to different spots. And it, at one point had left a car in Utah and then had to fly back to get it. And it, it, it was just a very, very elaborate trip. It, the logistics of it terrified me, but uh, I'm seeing that a lot more with people wanting to do the extended travel. 
The other way I see people using that is actually kind of in a pre-retirement fashion where folks that are, are thinking about settling down outside of their home market might go spend a couple months each in a few places they're considering living just to kind of see what it's like to be a day-to-day person rather than, you know, kind of if you're in a town for just a weekend or so, you're not really going to get settled and find your grocery store and that type of stuff. Uh, but they're using it kind of to, to really explore in an extended way. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is what every tourist office and especially sustainable tourism office or department has been telling us, like, immerse yourself, like become a part of the local community. And, you know, we think it by like, oh, I'm going to take a walking tour and like pop into a local bakery. But they're like, no, you need to like set down roots, even if it's like two weeks or a month. And I think there's so much value to that rather than just getting like the cursory experience and, you know, kind of being like leapfrogging from place to place. And so I think it's a, I think it's a really great trend. And whether you're trying it out for retirement purposes, or just to kind of get a new environment, and maybe the cost of living is better or easier on your and maybe maybe the lifestyle is better, but you don't know until you try it. And I think we can use kind of vacation maybe also as like a way to, to look toward the future of where do we want to be in maybe 5, 10, 20 years. If we're looking for a silver lining of prices going up, and we talked earlier about how expensive hotels are in particular, I recently took a trip to Boston and used Airbnb to get a place outside of Boston in a town called Somerville. And my experience was totally different. Somerville's so cool now. I went to Tufts undergrad. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. And and that was- so dodgy. We used to have to run through and be like, I hope they don't catch me. Um, (laughs) Now it's very hipster now. It really is. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying, so you stayed in Somerville, and it was lovely. Yes. So that's an experience I would have never had, because I would have thought, I'm going to Boston. I'm going to stay in Boston, in a hotel somewhere, probably near Fenway, where I could go to a baseball game. But I went as far from that experience as I could have, and I think had a much better time, and really got to know a town, and people are very proud who live there, and it's a a very close community, still walkable from a lot of stuff. So I, I think that pushing people into those experiences could be a nice byproduct of looking for uh, more frugal options for, for travel. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets, it, it lets us experience like the wider birth of a place and just the historic center. Like you said, you know, just Boston where everyone goes to, and it's, it's almost like so heavily tread that you almost feel like you've been there if you haven't, cause you've seen so many pictures of it or read so much about it, but like little Somerville gets totally overlooked and it shouldn't. So I, yeah, I think um, that's a great way to to save money by you lose a little of the convenience, but the tea, you know, runs right there. There's bike share. Cambridge. I used to like bike into Cambridge, and then from Cambridge, you just bike into Boston. Yeah, you just you get there eventually. So you wrote an article fairly recently on. Uh, what I'll call hotel chains kind of fighting back against the VRBO and and Airbnbs of the world, that they are starting to get into the private residence rental business. Uh, And I found that to be really fascinating, both from a, uh, you know, I kind of like the hotel experience, uh, admittedly. You know, I've done Airbnbs, but I'm always kind of a little questioning of like, how clean is this place? Who did they send in here to deal with it? You know, and again, that's just in my head. I know plenty of people have good experiences, but for Hilton to come in and say, yeah, we're going to clean this place up for you. Don't worry. We changed the sheets. I'd be like, okay, great. I like it. Um, but, but can you tell us about what you're seeing there and and how active they're being in that space? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's 
they must, it must have like killed them to see Airbnb and VRBO like just run away with, you know, these rentals. And so many people are, especially during the pandemic, they want their own space. But Ross, I agree with you. Like, I don't know, like there's no uniformity. You're relying on like someone who probably doesn't live there, hope that their cleaner comes in. I always feel like I find like a black hair wherever I go and my hair is not black. Um, And I also, you know, one of my issues, my many issues with Airbnb, I'm one of many is that their tax, like they show like, oh, 150 a night. And then when you look at all the extra fees, you're like, that's actually $300. Like there's, I don't want to call them dishonest about it, but it really like they capture your attention and then they totally double up on you. And so, so when the big hotel chains moved in, like Marriott Massive, like 60,000 when I did that story, but now they've since like expanded even more on, in Latin America and Europe. And um, some of the other ones are Core, Mandarin Oriental. The one I love, Graduate Hotels, that's in the college towns. It's one I love. It's such a charming little, little um, chain. So they're in Providence and Charlottesville, and so they, so they're all working with private homeowners. And so, with Marriott, which is the biggest one, they will have rental outfitters, you know, people, property own or property rental companies, management companies, they're the ones kind of in charge and Marriott is just listing them and they're entrusting the rental companies to manage it and clean it and be there for the guest. But with a Marriott, if you're a Marriott loyalty member, like you, you can, this is such an advantage because you can use your points on it. You can accumulate a ton of points on it. And there's more oversight because you kind of have Marriott behind you, backing you up, like you have a worry, which is kind of nice. Whereas, you know, Airbnb, it could be like someone like who knows what they're doing off scuba diving and they can't answer your call when you're locked out. Like Marriott will be there for you. And so all of them have that sense of the, the value. Well, not so much value, but they have the experience in hospitality. And if you're nervous about going into Airbnb or VRBO, you can feel confident knowing that like Marriott has been in this business for so long and that it will trickle down to their home rental. But the flip side is they're more expensive. So when I kind of did, and math is not my strong point, but when I looked at the Marriott ones, first I was stuck with a three-night minimum and I don't want that. And then also their, their cleaning fee was like the same amount as the nightly price. And I didn't understand that. And so I went directly to the property rental manager and I got a, I got a better deal with them. So I got two nights and I got a lower price, but I sacrificed the points, but I'm terrible at points. So I didn't really care. So it depends on like what your priority is. That feels challenging to be a travel writer and then not be good at the points. So that, that feels uh, like you're one of the people that should be taking the most oh advantage of that because you're racking them up. Whenever I see Brian Kelly, the points guy, I like hide. I'm so embarrassed. I'm terrible. I I know. I mean, I look. You would think I look at my whatever the airline points, and I'm like, I can't even get to New York City from DC. Like I have so few points. I feel like I'm always stuck at like twenty two thousand, which gets you nowhere. But I know people who like get the credit, like even when I flew to Massachusetts, American Airlines, the flight attendants were telling you about the credit card, get 60,000 miles. All you have to do is buy like a pack of gum and it activates your credit card and then you have 60,000 miles. I just, I don't, that's just not my jam. I just worry about having too many credit cards that I haven't paid for or someone gets my number and like goes on a better trip than I would have. So I should be better, but I'm terrible at it. 
it, I'm with you. It sounds like so much work and all the people I know who've been good at it are like rolling over points from here to there. And it's like a beautiful mind of credit cards stuck up on a board that they're keeping track of. And I just don't know that I want to commit to that kind of time for that. No, you're right. It's like a full-time job, but it's for them. It's like a challenge. It's like me trying to travel frugally. Like it's a challenge for them, you know, that they can get right 60,000 miles and points from here and like pull together a whole trip that they haven't paid for. But then I think, well, you just spent like six months on this project (laughs) and I've been on like six trips since then. So it all depends on how you want to spend your time, but the hotel, but them moving into this is really interesting. And I think if you are a loyalty member, it's kind of worth checking out what they have. Yeah, it's it, and it's just a to me, it's just an indicator that they're going to fight back, right? Like they're they're not going to go quietly into the night and go, okay, I guess I guess we're just going to get chewed up by these people that want to rent their homes. Like people, they're going to come back and say, all right, if that's what you want as a private residence and a more private experience, we're going to find ways to deliver that to you. And uh, in many ways, I think of you know businesses solving a problem like that or kind of overcoming a hurdle like that as kind of one of the fun parts is trying to figure out what people want and provide it. So uh, I found it interesting that they were getting into that space. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazed that it's taken them so long. I think really it was like 2018, 2019 that they really started jumping into it. And like I said, Marriott is really the most robust and aggressive about it. They're a formidable opponent for for an Airbnb. If you're, if you're going to battle with someone like a Marriott, you know, they've got massive resources they can they can throw at it. I know. And there there definitely is crossover, which I learned when I investigated, because they promote themselves as like exclusive. Like you can only, you know, get this house through us, through Marriott or Accor or whatever. And I'm like, actually, no, if you just Google, like I found them all over the place. I found them on booking.com. I found, especially I looked at Annapolis. There was a lot of crossover. And I think the higher end chain, like Mandarin Oriental, I think, um, because you're paying like $20,000 for your own estate in the Coxwalds or something, they are exclusive. But the ones on like the more moderate level, you can find them elsewhere. So if like really money is a concern, I would do like a spend, not spend the same amount of time that people do when they try and pay things, chewing like loyalty points, but just spend like a maybe a half hour just kind of bouncing around the different sites to see how much the price variation is. Because... I definitely found significant savings, like hundreds of dollars in savings. And don't be afraid to like, reach out directly to the person. Like, Marriott isn't going to call you out on it and be like, lock this person out. Like, I went, direct, as I said, directly to the property rental manager and, and cut a better deal. So you're saying it's going to end up like Uber and Lyft, where you basically bounce between apps and figure out who's got the least surge pricing until you can get probably the same people that are answering the the rides. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a thing, too, that I don't know. I, I don't know if it's unethical, but I feel like once you form a bond with either a place, you know, if you're returning for a rental through Airbnb or even Uber driver, I did this in Bend, Oregon, kind of go off the books. Am I allowed to say that? Like, just say... It saves them money. It saves you money. So say, like I had an Uber driver who was lovely and I said, oh, I need to ride back to the airport in two days. He's like, I'll pick you up for 30 bucks. So we just kind of went off off the app. And even with Airbnb rentals, it's been such a great stay. Then we talked to the guy and we're like, hey, if we come back next year, can we just, you know, agree on this amount? 
and and that saves you money. Yeah, it it may be a gray area, but I think the what you're giving up there is probably the protections, right? So so any of the consumer protections that are baked in to an Airbnb contract are, are not going to be there if you go direct. But if you've already built that level of trust, may, maybe it's not necessary. Yeah. You might be giving up the protections, but the other thing that you're kind of embracing is the entrepreneurial nature of those platforms. So, you know, going with a Marriott listing a home, you're supporting a large corporation, which isn't bad. I'd support many large corporations daily. But, you know, the nice thing about an Airbnb is there's, in theory, at least some of the time, just like an individual homeowner who's using it as income. And that's a nice thing to support as well, like local small businesses. And if you can go to direct and cut out the expense, their overhead, and, uh, you know, still continue to support them, I think that's a good thing, assuming you're, you know, who you're doing business with. You can at least tell they're not a sponsor of this show, because they'd be up in arms by, by this discussion. I know. I know. I can't be the only one. But I feel the same way. Like, I really want to put the money directly into that person's pocket, because they're doing all the hard work. Like, I feel like, Airbnb or whomever is the matchmaker. And that's like, you know what? We have this relationship. We don't need you anymore. And we like run off into the sunset with our like two bedroom, two bath. So I feel like it's okay. It's all about human connection. And if you, if you have a bond and you entrust that person. All that said, if Airbnb does want to sponsor this show, our email <laughs> is checkyourbalances at outlook.com. We will reply. And I will not recommend that. I will say always go through Airbnb. Gosh, I remember like when they were upstarts, like I did a piece on them back in the day when they only had like six properties and it was like, oh my gosh, is this going to stick? Ugh, I did. It stuck. Yeah, no kidding. They're they're definitely here to stay in, in one form or another. Yeah. I mean, a lot of cities are fighting them because it stuck too hard and it's changing kind of the dynamic and the culture of certain places. And a lot of people are going in it without, with not the original spirit and seeing it as a moneymaker. And, you know, you've heard all these stories like pushing out actual renters and prices escalate. I was in Dubrovnik and the woman's like, we can't even live in the city center anymore because Airbnb have either like snapped up all the properties or we get kicked out once the summer comes because the landlords want to rent it out to, to vacationers. So I think the pandemic has maybe righted that a little bit, or at least they're, they've, cities feel like they could be a little more outspoken about it. Yeah, you're definitely seeing some pushback there. Mm -hmm. So for somebody that is looking to plan some travel right now, where are you seeing either good value or do you have some destinations on your list that uh, might be not at the top of people's normal travel thoughts, but uh, that you think are are really valuable or, or things that people should be checking out? Well, one, if you're a cruiser, the cruise industry, the prices have plummeted. I mean, any and all around the world, because for so long, obviously, you couldn't cruise. And now suddenly, they're back with a vengeance. And people are a little cautious of all the the travel sectors. I think people are still most hesitant about being on a cruise ship because of all the terrible things that had happened during the pandemic. And um, so if you don't mind cruising, um, that's definitely one way to go. And you could do, you know, a quick like, three-nighter to the Bahamas from Miami for like $150 or to the Mediterranean or Alaska, they're all back and really cheap. Um, I think, as we said, with the euro being equal, looking at some of the places like Portugal, Spain is often less expensive, Eastern Europe, obviously being careful with Ukraine and Russia, what's going on there. 
And I think off season too, I think right now, like summer is still hot, so to speak. So if you can wait to the shoulder season or later fall, um, one thing that I'm looking at and which we didn't discuss, but there are all these different sites where in exchange for whether it's dog sitting, pet sitting, house sitting, you just pay the travel expenses. But once you're there, it's free. So the lodging's free. So I've done this with trusted house sitters. So I've dog sat in Quito and in Malta and I didn't pay anything. Um, I just flew there. I pay for the flight and then I lived in their home and I took care of their dog and I enjoy being in that culture and got a pet. And so I'm looking at that right now for a future story on a work exchange. So because labor, as you know, labor shortage is hitting every industry, but especially hospitality, and they're hurting for all sorts of staff, whether it's in the kitchen or, or housekeeping or front desk. So I'm trying to work in exchange for free lodging at a hotel. And so I've applied to a place in British Columbia, in Austria, Turkey, where else have I applied? I do it at crazy hours. <laughs> anyway, so right now, Turkey, so this little guest house in Turkey has invited me to come stay at their little guest house and help them with their vegetables and help them with the front desk and maybe, you know, do some light cleaning in the rooms in exchange for staying at their place for free. That's really cool. And the, the what is the one I'm looking at is Workaway, and they have not just hotels, but anything. It could be working in an organic farm in Hawaii. It could be dog sitting. It could be like childcare. Just these people need help, and obviously have tight budgets. And so it's a nice way that we each gain something from it. You help somebody, but you also live in an exotic place. So I think that's an option that I never really thought of except for the pet sitting. And now I'm like, oh, you know, I can use some other skills and get an amazing trip away. And you you put in a couple hours. Oh, I applied to one in Alaska at a lodge that I actually stayed at a couple of years ago. And I thought it'd be great to do the flip side and actually work there because I loved it so much. I took a pie making class in Talkeetna. Um, and they're so hard. It's down to one person running the whole lodge and the bakery. And I saw them listed on the site and they're paying as well. They're paying minimum wage. Wow. Which I think I like every time I message, I'm like, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. I, you know, I would donate it to your community. I, you know, I don't want to take your money. You're allowing me to live in Alaska for two weeks. Like to me, that's like all the payment I need. So like, that's kind of a cool option. Um, they, some could be long. Oh, Scotland. There's another one I applied for Scotland. And they could be long-term, too. Like you were talking about people maybe trying out places for retirement. There's this hotel, an estate in Scotland, and they're looking for someone for three, four months. So, And they accept couples. So it's like kind of a great way to test out maybe some future possibilities. That's a very cool way to travel. So uh, we look forward to hearing uh, what your experience with that is and, and, and reading the future article. But thanks for the preview of that. That's a, that's a cool concept. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Someone did message me and said I'd be cool to hang out with. Do I want to come stay with them in San Francisco? So I'm a little nervous about what I'm getting myself into. I declined that one. But, um, you know, you have to be careful. But this Turkish hotel sounds good. There have been some uh, several people that have stayed and, and helped out. And it seems legit. Not sure about Bruce in California. I'm sure he's lovely. Yeah, so, I mean, the point being there, like, Several, it, it doesn't always have to be like get on the plane, go somewhere and walk around. Like there's so many different variations of travel these days if you are an adventurous type. Yeah, no, that sounds like very cool ideas. Uh, well, Andrea, 
this is all fascinating. We really appreciate you taking the time to to jump on our show and to share some of this with our audience. We look forward to following your your future adventures, both through your writing and uh, hope that you'll join us again on the show one day. For folks at home, check your balances at Outlook.com is the email address for us. You're welcome to send in your questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, or jokes to Dan and I. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you all next week.